The Word is for everyone. It's alive and active, filled with wisdom, truth, and hope. Understanding and interpreting its pages can seem overwhelming, but this podcast is here to help. This is Unschooled and Ordinary. Hey, well, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Unschooled and Ordinary podcast. I am not Tyler. I am Ben. I'm sitting in the co-pilot chair still, but flying this thing today, and so that's kind of scary. We're not scared at all. But I feel better about things because I'm joined by Brandy and Angie. Brandy and Angie, so good to see you. We're so glad you're leading this ship today. Tyler is out this week, and uh, man, we hope he is just enjoying some time um, with his family. Um, And we are going to miss Tyler, but we're going to do our best to hold it down while he's gone. So how are y'all doing? I'm good. I mean, currently I'm freezing. Uh, (laughs) Behind the scenes, podcast recording studio, guys, requires an igloo in here. A parka. Yes. (laughs) So we're good, but we are always cold. Y'all can count on that. (laughs) And so with that in mind, let's jump right in and get to moving, right? So our bodies get warm. All right, here we go. Y'all know that I love questions Mm -hmm. and I like just asking questions. I've, I've learned the value of a good question. And in a weird way, I've really enjoyed kind of collecting questions like i got these new question cards in the mail the other day (laughs) and brandy can attest because she's around me every day carries them everywhere oh i've been so excited about just pull them out of your pocket yes but there is a tool a simple app for man you house church pastors i would encourage you to download it it's called questions in a box and it's got four categories we just met acquaintances good friends and big picture and you can click on it, and it's a random question generator. And it's a great way to get conversations started and get to know the people that are in your house church. So we're going to spend a couple of minutes getting to know Brandy and Angie. <laughs> I'm so Wait, scared. you don't have to answer? <laughs> it's just us? I, I, we'll we'll, we'll okay, see how okay. it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm going to choose from the good friends category, and okay. we're going to start there. Here we go. All right, Angie, you get us kicked off. No pressure. What makes you feel loved? Quality time or quantity time? Oh, oh, oh mm. I was going to say quality, but then you, yeah, quality. Quality, quality. time. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> Brandy, what characterizes you at your job? I could do more, I hold my own, or I'm in over my head? <laughs> what an appropriate question. I really feel it over my head this week, guys. <laughs> that is a good one. Please don't let me do more. I know the, what you're going to say this one, Angie, so I'm going to skip that one. Oh, man, that was an easy one. <laughs> Angie, what is the hardest part of your daily routine? Staying awake past <laughs> 7 p.m. I heard that. <laughs> Y'all so, kill yes. me with this. Yes. Kill me with this. Any, if you stop after seven. That's right. Yeah. I go downhill that after seven. That is when I'm just so. waking up. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. If I stop, I'm, I'm down. still asleep right now, if we're being honest. Mm. That's why it's cold in here. Right. Brandy, in your daily routine, what brings you the most joy? Going to sleep, but not at 7 p.m. <laughs> uh, more like around 11. That's mm-hmm. my favorite. 
might it bring you so much joy because you're absolutely exhausted Mm-mm, by that time because you've stayed no, up for so long. There's just nothing better than that snuggly under the covers because it's cold and you're just so peaceful and quiet. It's Agreed. just the best. But at 8 p.m. Um, 11. <laughs> All right, here we go. Last one. What stresses you out more than anything? Oh, man, that's a hard one. Ugh. I think the unknown mm. for me. Ooh, like there's something big coming and I don't know enough information about it. Consider me stressed. Yeah, I'll, I guess same. Having to make a big decision and not really sure what God's leading you to do. That would stress me out. Mm. Yeah. You did talk about that. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd put a check mark by both of those things. Yeah. It can get real specific here. Anytime somebody sends me a text message that just says, We need to talk. Call me. <laughs> or we need, stresses you Or out. we need to talk. Or what about Ben? Hey, we need to talk tomorrow. No, no, please. That's, that's the one. Hey, but I really think that you should answer a few questions. Can I have the phone? Mm. Come on. We're running out of time. They want to know you too, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) This is so fun. What stresses you out more than anything? Being asked questions. Mm. Mm. If you had to spend the rest of your life in one place, where would it be? My house. Okay. Mm, I like that one. Who do you typically turn to for advice? Hmm. My parents. Mm, and no better place to go right yeah. there. I hope my kids say that about me. Mm-hmm. Okay, last one. What teacher or mentor has had the biggest impact on your life so far? Oh, man. It's like choosing a restaurant. <laughs> mm, I don't know. That's such a seasonal. What about most recently? I mean, again, choosing a restaurant. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Let me think about that one. Okay. We can we'll have to come to back to it. Maybe in a future episode. Because I'm watching this clock tick down. <laughs> I'm over not here. at the end, but yeah. <laughs> too much. So, stressing you out, Brady. Yes. The clock. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come back to that one. Okay. Y'all hold me accountable, man. I'll we come will. back to it. Um, yeah. So, man, I love questions. And what a great way to get a house church kicked off um, each week by getting to know your people. Just asking them, um, asking them some questions. And um, over time, I've learned that asking good follow-up questions is really a skill that we can develop because mm-hmm. it has so much to do with our posture of listening. And for the, it's, it's really a struggle for me to not be stuck in what I'm thinking or like what I'm going to say, but to genuinely curiously listen mm-hmm. to what people are saying. And then asking good follow-up questions is not as hard as I thought it was when I was genuine. Once I began to genuinely listen to what people were saying, those questions naturally come up. Yeah, come that up. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And an interesting fact that I came across was that Jesus asks 307 questions in the Gospels. So he asks a lot of questions. But mm-hmm. even more interesting was that he has asked 183 questions. And he only gives direct responses to three of those 183. He responds to the other 180 with another question. 
And so I don't know. I just thought that was fascinating, and there's a lot to to take from that, especially in the role of a house church pastor. There's so many dynamics of navigating the environment um, in the room week to week. So I do love that. I think there is a lesson there. I've, I've read before where it's more helpful to somebody that you're talking to if you help them to what they called trip over their own truth. Like mm-hmm. instead of just directly telling them mm-hmm. what they should do or what you see about the situation, if you can just ask good questions that lead them to answer those themselves. Guys, that's counseling more. 101. Hey, I didn't even take that class. <laughs> right? But <laughs> truly, that was like drilled into me through all the counseling stuff. Like it is never the counselor's responsibility to tell you something. It's to direct you to figure it out on your own. So asking questions back to help you discover it, we learned that from Jesus. Mm. So I love How that. About that. He's so yeah. smart. Yeah. Yep. Well, hey, let's jump into the scriptures and ask a few questions about it. Let's How about it. that? Okay. We're going to be in Romans chapter 10, and uh, we're going to kind of break it down into three different passages. And Brandy, if you would, get us started. Romans chapter 10, uh, if you'll read verse 1 through 4. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Angie, I think you told me you might have had a few thoughts on those. Verses. I just hung out in those verses this week because it was it just struck me that he clearly says here that he's witnessing these people that have a zeal for God, but yet they are not saved. Mm. And I think that we see that so often, like people who we consider like their lives show or represent this, I'm on fire for God right now, but then... Maybe six months from now, where are they? Or they don't seem to feel as strongly. And I mean, Paul says here, it's his heart's desire and his prayer that they would be saved. And so I think just hanging out in that thought that, you know, where is the motive for your zeal for God? Where is it coming from? Where is the passion derived from? And is it a true place of of love in your heart? Because I, I just think that we're so guilty sometimes to focus on um, being a good person and doing the right things for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't come from a place of genuine, true love for God, it's not real. Mm -hmm. Like it's not going to be what sustains you. And, And it's clear in scripture, we see it over and over. I mean, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Because if you have that pure, genuine love for him, it's not a matter of, can I try to do this right? Or can I try to uh, check all these boxes and just be a good person and be kind and loving and forgiving and all the things? Like if you love him, if you're just focused on loving him well, then the overflow will be, you You will observe my commands. You will do what I want because your heart's going to reflect mine. You're going you're gonna to want to do these things and not just try to, to be your own righteous person. Mm-hmm. So that just really, um, I don't know, struck me this week of having a zeal for God, but not being saved. Mm. That took me back to, um, back in college when I went through some mission trip training, we were headed into a Muslim country. And one of the things that they told us to watch for is that a lot of them would tell you, I know God, I have a relationship with God. And that 
the key that we were looking for there is, but do you know Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, and so even in James, I know it speaks to that as well, where it's like, hey, guess what? The demons know God yeah. and they believe in him. Uh, but hey, you need to know that you know Jesus, that you have been saved. So there is a difference and it is very important. And I'm glad you said that because that okay, we focus on that so much. The no, do you know the knowledge part? Mm-hmm. And and he clearly talks about that. Like they were ignorant of the knowledge of his righteousness. Like we focus on um, in terms of salvation when we talk to people. Like, do you know Jesus? And this is right to an extent. Like you have to know what he did for you. You have to believe that he was the son of God, that he died for you, that he was raised again on the third day. There's these facts that you have to know and believe. But like you said, even the demons believe that. So. In my mind, I need to focus more on not asking the questions of, do you know these things? Do you believe these things? But instead ask them, do you love Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like that, what does that look like in your life? Do, yeah. you, do you love him? Not just do you know him and not just do you believe these things? Even the demons believe those things. Mm-hmm. Brenda, you know, you said that was in preparation to visiting a Muslim country. Mm-hmm. But I guess the question I have is for both of you is, is that... Um, is that something very that's very far off or much different from here in the Bible Belt? Oh, in yeah, our it's culture? no different. <laughs> it was just the place that I learned it for the first time because I think we do take it so granted. Wait, wow. We do take for granted so much that it is not different here. Mm. Um, and we do live in the Bible Belt where everyone knows but does everyone believe and have accepted? And we're about to get to that verse. I don't want to skip ahead, but it tells us very clearly in just a few more verses in this chapter that it's not hard, but there is one step that we have to take beyond just knowing. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and read about it? Okay. Next passage. (laughs) If you'll read uh, Romans 10, 9 through 13. Yes. Uh, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hmm. Have you all ever been asked by someone, hey, what do I have to do to become a Christian? Yes. yes. For, for our listeners out there, have you ever wondered, you know, man, what do I what do I have to do to become a Christian? What what all what all do I have to get right? Mm. You know, we hear that a lot. I know just in yeah. some conversations recently, that's a, a common theme. What all do I have to get right? But what according to this passage, Brandy, if you'd read it again, mm-hmm. what is what does Scripture tell us? You want me to read the whole thing? Um, you can read nine. Okay. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's just that simple. And I love that you said that like people have really focused on what do I have to do mm-hmm. to get right. And this says there's nothing you can do other than confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Because at this point, you know, Paul has already written nine previous chapters where we've studied in great detail that by now, if we've read this letter, we should know there's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Like we are, the things we, are we do sinners. are terrible, <laughs> right? So I mean, Wretched at this point in this letter, yes. yeah. let's just let Jesus do the work. That's all He's asking. Yep. 
So in house church, one of our four goals or four wins that we call them um, that we want to see happening in house church are, are people engaging in next steps in their faith. And I think one of the things that's cool about this chapter uh, that we're reading through is there's two clear next steps and we just for, for everyone. And because the reality is, is regardless of where we are in our faith journey, there's always a next step. We've talked about that in the recent past. Like there's always God wants to bring me to maturity, right? There's a growth process. And so there's always a next step for someone to take. So the first clear next step um, that we see is is an honest evaluation of do I have a relationship with Jesus? Mm. Um, and we're so guilty, I'm so guilty of assuming that because we are in the Bible Belt, right, because I attend church with a neighbor or they attend a house church in my living room, um, that that means they're saved and that they have a relationship with Jesus. Or even just because they know God. That's right. Yeah, you can't take that for granted. Yeah. And so an encouragement for us all is, A, to um, man, to really honestly kind of begin to evaluate and ask God where you're at in that and what that, and what that looks like. And then for specifically to house church pastors, an encouragement to you is to pray to begin to lead from a posture of not assuming that everyone that is an adult that's in our house church has a relationship with Jesus. Um, and so I think that's the first kind of next step that I see from this passage. So let's read uh, one more little chunk, and then uh, we'll talk about it. If you would, Brandy, Romans 10, 14 through 17. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So let me ask this question. Whose responsibility is it to share the good news of the gospel? Those who have received it. Those who have received it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that leads us to kind of the second clear next step that we see from this passage to, to be challenged by. If I do have a relationship with Jesus and I have received the good news of his salvation, um, then it's my responsibility to share that good news. Right? Thoughts on that? I think that's the hardest part about living in the Bible Belt is we have all kind of grown up with the assumption that it's the job of the preacher. Hmm. You know, or the Sunday school teacher, or the one who has been called. You know, I've heard all of those things so many times over my lifetime. And this is really clear that, nope, we have all been called. So it's not just the preacher. Can I say, as Tyler always says, thank you. We have to have a quote from him. Thank you. Assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. I've Mm -hmm. heard him say that before. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. But um, both of you just mentioned that specifically um, about where it gets us when we assume things. And um, kind of back to what you said earlier about that, if you think about what it costs you to assume that someone is saved and they're not you're giving them keys to all of these promises in God's Word that are truly theirs if they are a child of God. But if they're not, and you assume that they are, and you're trying to tell them all of the ways to overcome these things in their life or things that God's promised you as a child of God, and these people, they take it as truth, and then they try these things that they're being 
told, they're way more likely to walk away saying, well, I tried that Jesus thing and it didn't work for me. Because we didn't start with step one in, in knowing for sure that these promises were theirs to hold. Like, are you a child of God? Have you accepted that gift of salvation? When we assume that they have, we're telling them all of this stuff in Scripture that's great promises mm-hmm. for God's children. And it, it can be um, almost a stumbling block if we're not careful, if we expect them to understand it or to try to attain it when they haven't taken the first step originally in actually accepting his gift. That's really convicting. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you. Um, so as we come to the end of our time, any any other thoughts, any kind of last thoughts? So I want to leave us with this to kind of ponder on and think about, and we'll, we'll revisit this question um, in house church, but man, for us to think of one person who needs to hear the good news of the gospel and think of something that you can do to help them hear it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great application question for us as we um, head out from house church each week. So, but hey, look, it's been a lot of fun visiting with you today and sitting in for Tyler. Uh, <laughs> we missed him. We're looking forward to him being back. But Brandy, Angie, man, always a pleasure. And hey, thank you guys for tuning in. And we hope you just have a great week and we'll see you next time. Unschooled and Ordinary is an original podcast from Venture Church. While this podcast is great for individual study, the Word really comes alive when we talk about it and apply it to our lives in house church. House churches are small groups of believers gathered in homes for a meal, scripture study, discipleship, and prayer in a trusted community of faith. They meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. in homes throughout South Mississippi, and you can join anytime. To find a house church near you, visit VentureChurch.org slash housechurch.